0: Hello, I'm Dr. Steve Nissen. I'd like to summarize some of the important studies that were reported at the American Heart Association meeting uh, in Philadelphia uh, here in 2019. The biggest news coming out of the meeting was the ischemia trial. This is a study that's been long awaited. And to understand ischemia, you have to go back about a decade. In 2007, the COURAGE trial, presented the results of uh, a study comparing optimal medical therapy to invasive management for people with stable angina and it really didn't show any reduction in death or myocardial infarction in the patient that got the patients that got invasive treatment you know with a lot of stenting well there was a lot of back and forth and criticism of the courage trial uh, which led to the ischemia trial presented by Dr. Judith Hockman from NYU. Ischemia was designed to take patients that had documented ischemia on a stress test. It could be a variety of different kinds of stress tests, but they really wanted to determine whether an invasive versus a conservative strategy was more effective in these patients with documented ischemia. And in general, this was a sicker group of patients that were studied in COURAGE. They were followed for many years, about four years. Uh, Study was sponsored by the National Institute of Health, so it wasn't a commercially sponsored trial. And it cost a lot of money for an NIH trial, about $100 million. The patients uh, were uh, as typical of the patients that we see, more men than women, uh, generally in an age group uh, in the 50s and 60s where these decisions must be made. Now importantly, they ruled out left main disease by doing a CT angiogram on everybody, but the physicians were blinded to the results of the CT angiogram. So really, we were only looking at patients that had disease other than left main coronary disease. The results uh, were interesting and obviously will be provocative. There was no reduction in all-cause mortality, cardiovascular death, or myocardial infarction. And for this broad composite Uh, endpoint that included hospitalization for heart failure. If you put all the bad things that can happen to people together there was really no advantage of an invasive versus a conservative strategy. Perhaps what's most interesting about the findings is that there was a biphasic response. Early on in the first year to year and a half after invasive strategy, which included stenting in the vast majority of patients, there was actually a hazard. Uh, the kaplan meyer curve showed a higher incidence of events in the invasive group than in the conservative group. Those curves then crossed. And as you went out further, there was a slight advantage to the invasive group over the conservative group. Now overall, it was a wash. If you included the early hazard and the maybe a little bit of late benefit, you really didn't get uh, much of a difference. Uh, I think this was a very well done study. And the take home message, I think what all of us learn from the trial, is that even if patients have documented ischemia, if they want to choose a more conservative approach, there's not really a hazard in doing so. They're not putting themselves at risk for death, myocardial infarction, or unstable angina hospitalization, or heart failure hospitalization. That overall the results are about the same. I think we need to tell patients that if they have acceptable symptoms that are controlled with medications, that they're fine with not undergoing invasive therapy, that is angiography uh, and stenting. If they don't tolerate the medicines well or uh, if they, for a variety of reasons, prefer the invasive approach, it's fine. They're equally effective. But it does give patients choices. And I think choices are obviously a good thing in medicine. And an ischemia trial will be discussed for many years to come. Um, There were clearly some advantages to invasive strategy. People took a few less medications. You know, there were some things that uh, did suggest maybe an improvement in quality of life in some of those patients. And it must be understood that about a quarter of the patients that started out with a conservative approach crossed over. That is, they ultimately underwent angiography and stenting. Presumably, those are patients that failed medical therapy. And again, given the choices involved, um, I think that's very reasonable to say, look, there's a 3 quarters chance, a 75% chance. You won't need anything done for the next four years if we just treat you with medicines alone. Now, a second really important study that came out at the AHA meeting is the Colcott trial. This is also uh, a trial that many of us were, were long awaiting, and there is some background here. Over many decades, there has been an accumulation of evidence to suggest that inflammation is a major driver of coronary events. We have the recent Cantos trial using the expensive monoclonal antibody canakinumab that showed that it could modestly reduce cardiovascular events. The question is, is there a old and very well understood therapy that can produce similar benefits? And the therapy that was tested is a very old drug, colchicine. It's been used for decades to treat gout. Uh, We know that it reduces inflammation by the same mechanism as canukinumab. Now, in this trial, again, it's modest in size—four or five thousand patients, not huge. It was sponsored by you know various Canadian government authorities, and presented by uh, Professor Jean-Claude Tardif from Montreal. The results surprised a lot of people. although perhaps didn't surprise me. Uh, there was a a hazard ratio of 0.77, a 23% reduction in the risk of major adverse cardiovascular events in the people that got uh, colchicine after a myocardial infarction. They had these people had had an event, but not within the last uh, you know few days or weeks. Uh, that's a pretty big treatment effect. Uh, the drug is a widely available generic. Really, costs costs you know a few dollars a month, so it's uh, quite an inexpensive uh, therapy. The dose was 0.5 milligrams a day. Now, it's not a dose that's available in the United States. We have 0.6 milligram tablets, which are scored, so you can give 0.3 or 0.6. Um, but 0.6 is very close to 0.5, so this therapy could be used in a similar way in the United States. The drug was well tolerated. We know that colchicine has a tendency to produce gastrointestinal adverse effects. And there was a slightly higher rate of diarrhea in the patients treated with colchicine. But it was a very small difference. One thing did pop up on the safety uh, testing, which May or, may or may not be a false positive finding, but there was a slight increase in the risk of pneumonia in the patient that's got colchicine versus placebo. Uh, that may or may not hold up in subsequent trials. So what did we learn from the Colcott trial? First of all, we learned that once again, the inflammation hypothesis is validated that a pure anti-inflammatory therapy doesn't affect lipids, doesn't affect blood pressure, doesn't affect any of the other known risk factors. It just reduces inflammation, produced a a statistically significant 23% reduction in major morbidity mortality. Now the p-value was just below the conventional level of statistical significance because the study was modest in size and had a mean exposure of only a couple of years. I think that Colcott needs to be repeated uh, in a larger, more definitive trial. Uh, This can be considered as a therapy in patients that have very high levels of C-reactive protein uh, the average levels were pretty high in this trial, in this post-MI uh, trial. Uh, and they did go down, although they didn't, they also went down in the placebo group. So there's a lot of things we don't understand here. I think colchicine can be considered in patients that have high CRP, uh, but probably we need another trial to really nail down the benefits. There was a third trial presented at the AHA in Philadelphia, that was a smaller, but probably very important. And this was an Orion trial. Orion trials are the trials of the new cholesterol-lowering drug Inclisiran. Uh, Inclisiran is a PCSK9 inhibitor, like the monoclonal antibodies that are already approved, but it works by a different mechanism. It's a short interfering RNA. And the way these drugs work is that they block the translation of the gene responsible for production of the protein, PCSK9. In this study, uh, patients were given just two injections a year. Uh, So it's a drug that has a six-month duration of action. And in the trial, it lowered LDL cholesterol by about 50% in patients with heterozygous familial hyperlipidemia. Uh, That's a really impressive result with a drug that can be given so infrequently. There were no particular adverse effects noted. The drug is coming up for consideration for approval by the FDA in 2020. Uh, It is likely to be approved, and it does open the opportunity for a new approach to treatment of cholesterol, where rather than taking a daily medication or a monoclonal antibody on a every two week basis, we can treat patients with two injections a year and get very large 50% reductions in LDL cholesterol. So many of us are looking forward to the FDA reviewing the data. If the drug is approved, I think it is likely to have a fairly big impact. Uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. We welcome your comments and feedback please contact us at heart at ccf.org. Like what you heard? Please subscribe and share the link on iTunes.